Inside the 18, I'm Michael Madgett. With me is Omar Zini and Trevor Stiles. We're going old school today. I'm doing it from my kitchen. Omar's in his guest room. Trevor uh, doesn't have Peppa Pig on the background. This is, this is like back in the day, guys. What's up? I'm in, <laughs> I'm in, I'm in the home office this morning. This is, uh, this is pretty wild, dude. It's a, it's, a different, it's a different world the way we're doing it now. Uh, it feels weird. It feels weird not having Omar right next to me. And uh, it feels weird seeing Trevor without uh, children's cartoons in the background. It sounds weird when you say Omar's not right next to you, but we'll just <laughs> continue on. And that's all good. Well, we just wanted to give Mike a, a break from having to travel so far to, to come see me every week. So that's the craziest thing for, for those of you guys who don't live in Southern California. Uh, Arcadia is what, like 15 miles away, but it takes yeah, 45 minutes. Yeah. It's been pretty tough for you, but yeah, I think we have a good microphone. We have a good setup. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. I and mean, you know what I've been really excited about is all the reviews we've been getting uh, because people have been out there, they've been rating and reviewing and it's been fantastic. I want to thank everybody who's been going out there. Uh, it only takes a second guys. Just go on there rate five stars, leave us a nice review. We still got to get up to a hundred reviews before we can give away that gift card, but we're going strong right now. And uh, remember we might be reading re your review online, uh, which I want to do right now because uh, we just got a great one. Uh, this one, it says a uh, great podcast, which is already starting out strong. Right. And uh, it's from uh, Alex GK 99 and it goes, these guys really know their stuff, giving tips to young keepers with pros or amateurs bribing great content every month. And I don't know if that's a, a typo or a Freudian slip right there. Are we bribing, are we bribing content to people? Uh, or are we, uh, bring <laughs> we're, bribing, we're bribing reviews of people and I'm okay with that. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that's what he meant by that. So shout out to Alex for that one too. And uh, maybe, Alex, maybe Alex is just sitting there laughing being like, these idiots wrote or read my thing and I was just taking the piss out of them. But you know what? <laughs> anyway, thanks Alex. I appreciate it. And, and here's another great one. Uh, it goes like this. It goes, as good as it gets for goalkeeping. I was like, whoa, that's, that's pretty legit. Uh, this is from Don't Buy DB. Uh, it goes, thanks for doing such a great job with your podcast. Some of the best goalkeeper around, content around, including youth goalkeeping insights. Keep up the great work, exclamation point, and a second exclamation point. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty God, legit, I love, guys. I, I love a good second exclamation point. That's amazing. These yeah, are really actually, good. I, I'm really happy with all these reviews we're getting. And by the way, some of you, I know you're sending me screenshots. You live in a different country. We can't see your reviews. So keep sending me the screenshots and I'll, I'll keep adding it to the tally. Uh, because uh, we've, got, we've got much more than the ones that we got in America. We were about 60 in America. And uh, I think we got a few in the UK, a few in Ireland. Is anyone else, is anyone else singing James Brown living in America right now? Is that just me? <laughs> You're always you singing always, songs. Yeah, yeah, he's always got the like the I, lyrics. My, that. my head's always just a song. Like I'm just singing "Living in America." Ow! <laughs> got to take the wind. <laughs> bum, bum. No, that's where I'm at. Sorry. And this, uh, this is this, the great thing about this two guys is that all you got to do is if Living you got a friend grab their phone and rate it and review it. We don't need to know it's not from a goalkeeper because you're <laughs> the one writing it. Steal so your buddy's still, phone. It's yeah. cool. If it's, it's not, you know, yeah, no big deal. Just make sure you give it back after <laughs> yeah. you give it us a nice review. And also, that does every sound like time review, it helps us move up the ratings, which means more downloads, which means more great content for you guys. Speaking of great content, we have a big announcement to make to everybody here. Come on, everyone's yeah. singing, everyone's singing Moving On Up now, right? Well, we're moving, moving on, on up. To the okay, so go on, Mike. We've started, a, we've started a Patreon. We've started a Patreon called the GK Union, and we're going to start putting the link up there. And basically, guys, all this money that goes into the GK Union, uh, you're going to be involved, okay? Because the GK Union is not just us, Trevor, Omar, Michael. It's, it's you guys. And the whole idea is basically is like there's a lot of cool things that we want to do for the show. We want to travel to Australia. We were just talking about going to Australia, doing some A-League content there. But that stuff, unfortunately, costs money. So um, if we can get your guys' help, you know, you guys are going to be a little bit a part of the show as well too. If you go on to the Patreon, the GK Union, you're going to see what you get for your donations. That money goes directly back into the show, guys. It doesn't go into Trevor's uh, Peppa Pig habit. Trust me, it does oh, not. I love a good Peppa Pig habit. Yeah. So uh, more information will be in the show notes, and uh, we'll be doing some stories and, and a lot of fun stuff about that. But, uh, but first, um, I want to go into uh, the question that we got just recently. Um, and by the way, guys, I apologize. I sent out the questions uh, thing a little a little late, so I know it was a little tough for some of you guys to get it. I talked to Omar. He's like, dude, he's like, you got to give people more than 24 hours notice. 
Um, so we're going to do a listener questions show, uh, I think, very soon, probably in the next couple of weeks, maybe when UEFA Champions League and Europa starts dying down. But if you do have a question and you want us to answer it on the air, if we think it's good enough, we will. It's contact at insidethe18media.com. That's right, guys. We have a professional company now, and we have a professional email. Contact at insidethe18media.com. And our first question comes from uh, our good friend over at JJS Elite Goalkeeping HI, otherwise known as uh, Jennifer Jocks over in Hawaii. So shout out to Jennifer. And she goes, I have two 06-born goalkeepers who've decided on their own to play in goal versus men's soccer players ages 21 plus. What are your thoughts on that? They are not technically, physically, or mentally ready. I've told them they are at high risk for injury. Am I wrong for asking that? Who uh, wants to start? I mean, the, I'll th- you go ahead, Omar, go. No, you go ahead. No, I mean, the, the way it was phrased is a little confusing. So you have these 06 goalkeepers, you said, who are playing up? Is that Essentially how it Essentially what she's basically saying is, no, she's got 06 goalkeepers. Um, and Jenna, please uh, excuse me if I'm, if I'm paraphrasing the wrong way. But what I believe is you were talking about is you've got 06-born goalkeepers who've decided to go out on their own and play in men's leagues against guys over 21 years of age. Gotcha. And she's scared in regards to they're not – physically or technically at the level to play with the men and she's afraid of injury because of either bad technique or the guys are just too heavy or clumsy or or whatever no I think I mean personally I I did that when I was younger I used to go to Sunday leagues and I was probably like 13 14 and then play with uh, some of my dad's friends and their kids would come out so I would go out there and play and I thought it was probably for me it was it was a different maturity level I had to bring a different type of you know different type of game out there I was usually very technical, but when I got out to those games, it was more of a physical uh, type of game. So for me, I felt like it helped me develop and it helped me progress in a faster manner versus playing with just kids my age. And again, you know, it's, it wasn't that much of a, a controlled setting. A lot of things happen, a lot of fights happen, but for me, at least it helped me mature in, in, in that sense. Um, and, you know, it just depends to each their own. I was much taller than everybody. So when I got out there, I was able to kind of physically match up, but psychologically, it definitely helped me to prepare uh, a little bit better and then if you know you do well in those Sunday leagues versus those big guys then you come back to your division or y- your younger age then it kind of it's an easy transition back. Trev? Yeah I mean I'm, I'm with Omar it's, at some point you have to go up and play at a higher level at some point whether you're uh, a young boy or a young girl it, it's time to go play but I think in regards to that I mean are you playing Sunday league pick up with your buddies your dad's buddies who you know, they might not run you if you're coming for a ball and yeah I've been playing Sunday pickup and had buddies kids out and don't get me wrong, sometimes there's the odd guy who smashes a knuckle from 40 yards out and kind of smashes the kid's wrist. I'm not saying it was me. Because um, <laughs> you're not thinking, but I, I think, I mean, if they're going to play full men's league, I would say unless they're a really developed 13, 14-year-old kid, maybe not. I think the intro web of like how Omar said, of playing with your dad's buddies and Sunday pickup, and even though it's intense, and, and Omar said it's a free run, things happen. I think that's a bit of a, a softer entrance, which is nice. Um, but at some point, you need to be thrown in the deep end. But I think it's... It's one of those hard to manage because a kid might say, I'm ready to go. And as your coach and as your mentor, their mentor, and as someone who, you know, who's taking, you, taking them under their wing and looking out for them, it's tough to be like, I don't think you're ready because I don't want you to get hurt. But at the same time, you don't want to say, hey, go for it, knowing it's a bad decision. So, I mean, it's something where you need to sit down and talk with them more, kind of explains pros and cons. But, you know, if someone has it stuck in their head, they're going to do something. It's, it's hard to shift it. So, I mean, for me, I think that 15, 16 – is a really good age kind of after you've, you've hit puberty and you've kind of had a growth spurt and put some weight on. Um, and just when you're a little more mature, cause I mean like the, the pace of the game is going to be so much quicker, the speed of the game. And as Mike said, I mean, you go up for a cross and you're going against a man who's six two two fifteen, you know, and you're, you know, five, six, you know, 110, you can be technically sound. You can be quicker. You can do all those things, but if you're not protecting yourself and they come through, you're going to get run. And, mm-hmm. and that's not going to go well. And that could hurt you long-term because that could hurt you mentally. That could, you know, make you timid for other stuff. So, I mean, I think there's so many pros and cons. I think almost right, though, you play well, you get good experience, and when you go to your own level, you feel more confident and you feel more, you know, chest puffed up and you're feeling strong. But at the same time, I understand what Jennifer's saying is, is there can be some downfall. But it's like anything else, at some point you got to enter the ring and it's going to be a coin toss. So, I mean, I, I wish them well and I understand from her point of view wanting to, to take care and protect them, especially if she feels, and I, I chat with her a bunch, and I know she's a great trainer, so I respect her opinion saying they're not ready, but, you know, JJ, I think it's one of the ones that if they have it stuck in their mind, they're, they're going to do it, right? So the best you can do is kind of roll with it, maybe try to mentor them along the way of 
what they can do to kind of prevent themselves from getting hurt without, you know, changing their style of game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's a great way to put it. And you were talking about the speed of the ball and you're talking about, you know, the knuckle and, you know, just the craziness. I, I think a lot, a lot of times too, you're talking about, you know, the equipment and a man hitting that ball rather than a child hitting that ball. And, you know, nowadays with the way the ball's moving, you know, everything's changing. And it kind of wants to bring me to the topic of the day today, which is because, uh, this topic is the of the day. It's the topic of the day. Why don't we should we have, have a little. We should have a little theme song for that. Yeah. Uh, Omar, maybe your friend can do that for us. Uh, topic of the day. Uh, I'll come with. Yeah, I'll come up with something. <laughs> um, it's the dis- disappearance of the basket catch in the goalkeeping world. Um, this is something that I've been noticing. This is something that obviously elite goalkeeper coaches have been noticing. Uh, shout out to TKI. They did a nice little piece on this uh, last week, and I know they're going to be going a little bit more in depth about it this week. Uh, and showing kind of some different uh, different ways to to deal with the, the ball outside of the basket catch, but let's just kind of talk about that and like why is it that the basket catch is disappearing at the highest levels? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I'll, I'll make a quick statement and I'll let Chev go for it. But I think it's it has to do with the way the balls are moving. Um, and we talked about it with uh, Victor Noguera, the goalkeeper coach at Orange County, and he was just talking about how you know futsal is becoming such a big thing now because the balls. Uh, are moving so fast and they're built in a certain way to to create more opportunities on goal and we'll call it what it is I think that's what we talked about with uh, the Jabulani and different balls that have already been made is that their goal and their aim is to attract new viewers and to attract new viewers the Americans especially we want to see a lot of high scoring things and to do that you need to have balls that move so I think uh, that's one of the the reasons why it's so prevalent now now is that people are trying to kill the ball instead of trying to catch it because it's in their best interest because the ball is moving so uh, so fast and in the last second it changes it changes the flight pattern so um, I'll let Trev talk a little bit more about it but I'll come back in and, and give you my thoughts on just a little bit more in depth of the new techniques that are coming in so so I had a trainer who was from Scotland played pro there for a while and I was about 15 16 and he used to call it the the bread basket you know, yep. make, and I would try to repeat his thick Scottish accent but I'm just going to sound ridiculous so I'm not uh, <laughs> great guy great goalkeeper it was always in the bread basket and I, I agree there's certain times where you need to get your body low and take it in to let's call it the breadbasket. But, you know, what Omar's saying and what other people are saying is when that ball starts moving so erratic, when it starts shifting, when your arms are down by your side and that ball pops up, everyone can probably visualize it in their head. There's that saver. You're like, now you're popping up because your arms are already down by your side. So instead of having your hands up, up let's go in that, you know, old school W, what we call now a new bent L, bent C, as we've, you know, morphed our hands to different hand shape now than the old school ways of the W. You know, if your hands are up there, you can move, shift, knock the ball down, pat it down, or even if you're, you know, really tidy, you can catch. But when your hands are down by your side, palms up, and that ball starts coming up into your chest, and your chest is starting to move up, I'm actually legitimately doing the movement right now, not even thinking about it. No, 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 and it looks amazing. If I wish the audience could see this, this is why we need to be on YouTube. Their their hands kind of get cuffed, and they get tight. I forgot you guys can see me. And, and all of a sudden, the ball's hidden off their chest and off their shoulder and off their arm because they can't get their hands in that shape they need to get now. And, and they're coughing balls up. So I think what, what Omar's saying is, is very true is that as, as everything progresses in this world, uh, especially in goalkeeping in the past, let's call it 10 to 12 years, that breadbasket catch, unless it really is a low ball that's dipping or skipping in, um, it's hard to take that ball now. I used to call it the rain jacket catch because, you know, guys are training rain jackets and you hear this as they hit the rain jacket, right? Um, it's that hand shape now. You see much more super squatting. You see much more dropping down. Um, it, it's just a different time of the game, right? And I think as every, before everything progresses, you have to progress with it. And one of those things you're seeing doing that evolution of goalkeeping is, let's call it the breadbasket rain jacket catch, is kind of being faded away for a more favorable uh, palms out, hands up position that's a little more maneuverable compared to being handcuffed with your hands down by your side. Like I still think there's a place for it, waist down dipping ball, skipping ball in. But that's one of those nuances that your goalkeeper coaches will tell you that when you visually see that ball, when you, when you watch it off the boot, when you're watching the spin, the movement, you need to kind of now know how your hand position should be, what style of catches you can catch with that ball, right? Because there's certain, I mean, you're not, it's really hard to take a knuckleball that's dipping that way. You see all those goalkeepers, they drop and they move. And next thing you know, it's like they're throwing the ball in the back of their own net because they're shifting to get their hands behind, but they can't. Or if their palms are out and their backhand facing them, it'd be a lot easier for them to get and carry that ball somewhere else. Thank you, my darling. My lovely wife just brought, just, just brought me some coffee down. It's very sweet of her. Thank you, honey. Does that make sense? I wish, yeah, you, I wish people could see me because I, I legitimately have just been shifting here. Doing no, no, no. I, I, I love it. I wish the audience could see this. I feel like we're going to have to just like post the video of you doing all of this. Omar, can we do that? 
Can we post a video of, of, of Trevor's shapes and stuff like that onto, onto the Instagram? I, I, told, I, I totally forgot you guys can see me. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, but he's recording this so we can actually, we can actually does, do that. Which does is that good. make sense? So you guys can, I mean, did my visual movement there kind of get that? It's, it's this no, one. It, it's, it's it that, actually, you're, throwing, you're throwing the ball in compared to being here. I can drop and knock it down. Yeah. No, I, I, think it's, I think it's great what you were just doing right there. So let's, let's talk about that a little it's bit. It's called interpretive dance, Mike. It's called interpretive dance. <laughs> Between the bat, and, and I'm going to go to Omar here because you know he he watches more techniques from around the world than any human being in the world. Mostly USL too, but yes. <laughs> so the difference between the you were talking about the difference between the basket catch and, and you know the the crouch down and, and kind of catch the ball the, and the super squat the super squat which is what what Jill was showing in, in the TKI videos and, and and everybody at TKI not just not just Jillian but um, is there a difference between a basket catch however and oh she even put milk in it that's so nice. Up? And smothering the ball, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, because you could still squat down. That ball does kill the momentum, and it takes it down to the ground, and then you still smother onto the ball and get that whole body, the breadbasket, directly behind the ball. I'm now doing shapes too, so this is <laughs> that's the problem. You, you don't realize you're doing shapes. It's just you're so used to this. So what you do, you just start. You know, yeah. Yeah. So I'll say so, I'll say I'll say a few things on that. So I think with especially we think we all know with goalkeeping, it's even with coaching now, it's like you can't put a blanket statement for everything. Like you can teach techniques, you can do certain things um, that get a goalkeeper prepared for different situations. But when you start demanding a specific way to catch the ball or a basket or you have to kill it, you, when you start, you know, giving people this these like, you know, kind of you have to do this, you have to do that when they get in that moment, they're going to try and do things that they shouldn't be doing. Like, for example, I'll just use Oliver Kahn, not saying, I mean, is a routine catch back in 2002 in the final against Brazil, but uh, Rivaldo takes a left footed strike. The ball kind of moves last second and he tries to get it in the bread basket, but it moves, it alters. And then uh, he drops it and then Ronaldo, you know, finishes it in. And I think it's, you know, one of those things where like, obviously you want to try and catch those kind of balls, but uh, with the flight pattern and at the same time too, if maybe he just played the situation, uh, more of like trying to kill it and direct it to a certain side. Maybe he could have done a little bit better. But I think that's one thing that I've been teaching my goalkeepers as well is like when I teach you something, it's good to have it in the, in the, in the memory bank, but don't feel like you have to do it that specific way because in games, we, in, in training, we catch everything, right? We try to catch everything. But in games, it's like if you're trying to catch everything and it's a ball that you shouldn't be catching, you know what I mean? It's, you're, you're the one who's going to have to pay that price to you know, give, either give up a rebound or give up a goal. Um, so that's one thing. And I think the other thing that we're talking about killing it and the way that uh, Jill, the way that Jill used it, is that I think when you have those balls sometimes that uh, move in the air, you can have your arms get stuck down there. But because the ball shifted pattern, your head stays up. And when you have that lack of hand hand eye coordination because your hands are so low and your eyes are still uh, staying high, dude, we have to do a montage of all of us doing the different <laughs> visual images on on, on Instagram. It's amazing. But that that's what I think it is, though, and I think that's one reason why. I kind of took an interest to the way that they showed it where it's kind of like a, I use, I use a foldable chair as an example, right? When we do a front dive or whatever that, like a foldable chair is supposed to fold a certain way and that's how you collapse it. So when you do a front dive or when you do a ball that's in the bread basket, sometimes you kind of have to bend that knee in and open your legs up to bend that knee in so it can kind of fall in the, more, in the most natural uh, type of way. And the way that Jill showed it, I think is a good idea because when you bend your knee in and you kind of catch that ball in the midsection, you keep your hands and your eyes and your head all in the same uh, on the same pattern. And I think what can happen sometimes in the bread basketballs or the ones that kind of like shift last second is you lose that hand eye coordination because either your head stays up or your hands go too far down. And it's that, that lack of uh, uh, symmetry and that lack of like synchronization between the two. Um, so that's, that's my two cents on that. Hopefully I didn't ramble too much, but uh, don't worry. I've already rambled so much today. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's. I mean, I I don't want to use Oliver Kahn as you know that that ball did move gonna, a little he's bit. He's gonna fly, and it's gonna knock on your door, <laughs> and he's like, "Who's this? Oh my god!" And he's just gonna punch you in the face, and he's like, "You know what you did," and he's just gonna leave. <laughs> he's yeah. he's a very recognizable human being. Too. It's also very insane. Very distinct look. He's so. crazy. I, I'm trying to figure out if him or Peter Schmeichel are crazier, but they're both. Uh, I, I go Kahn just based on the haircut. So let, let <laughs> let's let's talk youth real quick. Um, Obviously, you know, some of us work with, I know Omar can't stand working with young, younger keepers. Oh, wait, did I just say that? I just put him on blast. Uh, <laughs> no, no, Omar no. enjoys working with younger keepers, but he does love working with the older guys. I, I work a lot with the younger guys uh, and women. And, um, you know, I find that the breadbasket is a very valuable thing when you're talking about eights and nines and things like that, because it's, it's something that their body from a shape standpoint 
very understanding of um, they, their handling isn't always the cleanest and stuff like that, but they understand getting their body behind the ball and sucking the ball and getting their body, you know, low and, and, you know, soft so that they can suck that ball in. So do we just stop teaching, teaching this to youth because they're saying, well, you know, when you get older, you're not going to be doing this anymore. Um, because personally, I still use the breadbasket myself, you know, when balls come in in certain directions. So do I. So this is, and Omar had this comment, and we've mentioned this a million times, and I use this slogan of, of what's in your arsenal. And as Omar said, like, you know, there used to be a way where, let's call it 1987, this is how goalkeeping was done in certain continents. And you could have written books, honestly, of, you know, uh, let's go to certain countries, even UK was like this, Spain was like this, you know, Argentina was like this, you know, Ivory Coast was like this, you know, Japan was like this, Australia, we'll double it up as a continent and a country was like this. You know, everyone was trained in certain ways where you can almost tell where they're from. Um, that's changed now with, you know, globalization, the global game, people watching, you know, videos on YouTube, people watching videos on Instagram, all these things have changed the game. But I still think you need that rounded out arsenal of, of you know, of tricks, of skills, of all those of techniques. So I think you need to know the breadbasket, rain jacket, whatever you want to call it, catch. I think you need to know how to drop down, buckle the knee and squat. So everything, I think Omar, the word looking for, everything's on the same plane, right? Everything's exactly, on yeah. that same plane, right? So I, I think the more you have in that, the better you're going to be. And that's a big thing for me is working with one goalkeeper coach when you're young is tough because, you know, they might not be. I, mean, I know all three of us are very adaptable. and I know all three of us can see a goalkeeper and go, okay, this technique might not work for them. Let's try this. But we're going to let them try all these different ones and pick what works best for them to use in certain situations, right? So, you know, no one's putting baby in the corner. Dirty dancing reference, right? It's not you have to make this save this way and then they bobble it, right? There's so many coaches I know where it's like, it's this or nothing. And you're going, yep. you're just hurting that kid because you're trying to make them a, yeah. a, a mini version of you. And they might have a Nick Ramondo, Mike Magic body style. They might have a Trevor Styles, let's call it someone, David Bingham, we're probably similar body style. It, it might be an Omar Iker Casillas body style or whoever, Courtois or Schmeichel or Con. You know, you, you kind of need to emulate someone who you see t- playing at top level who kind of has the same body structure as you because you're going to play the same. You know, Ramondo has the quickest feet I've ever seen when he was younger. You know, he's never going to be Courtois who can, you know, allow that huge spider tarantula wingspan to make saves for him. He's got to move his quick feet to get there. So if you're a coach trying to emulate this keeper who is, is not going to play the same way as you to be your keeper, you're just hurting them, right? So for me, it's that, especially at a young age, if, you're, if your goalkeeper trainer is not adaptable to help you and, and build that arsenal and they're trying to force you down one channel, you need to go somewhere else. I mean, that's why I love you guys. And this is that you guys, like I said before, you can pick out and see certain things and go, okay, maybe try this, maybe try that, do what works for you. Train with some other people, maybe pick up some things that, that I'm not showing you and, and make yourself most well, or well-rounded keeper. So I think you need to have that arsenal. So I think the, the bread basket, the rain jacket catch, the fish and chips, whatever you want to call it, I, yeah. I think you still need to have that because it plays in the game. For me, I love it when it's that, that big dipping, skipping ball, it's bouncing in, getting low as, you know, TKI for me, it's, it's, it's getting your hands in between your knees. So it allows that scoop to drop in, your bum drops down, your chest stays up. You know, but for me, in a dirty knuckleball, I'm not going to say, hey, get your, get your fish and chips hold on because that thing shuff, shuffles and moves, you're in trouble. For me, it's a, I hit here, here last minute. I try to get my body behind as best I can. And if I feel I can hold and pat down, I'm going to. But if I can't, I'm going to get tight. I'm going to box it. And I'm going to knock it to, you know, the fifth row if I yeah. can and, and just clear the danger. So for me, I think you need to take as much information, technique, all those nuances in and kind of just find your own way of what works for you. So, so you have that when it's available. And yeah. end of tangent rant. You know, you were talking about the, the knuckle right there, and then I, I kind of want to move on from there because I think we're, we're kind of uh, saying the same thing. And I, One and last I thing, Mike. One last thing. Yeah, sure. Go. No, I think uh, like what Trev said is just like it, it comes down to when you watch YouTube where you see different styles, every single technique, whether it's a front dive or how to dive properly or how to come out for a cross, a side volley distribution, each one of those specific focuses has like six to seven different ways it's taught. And, and it's so, that's what makes the position so fun for me. And it's, it's like, you know, I can talk about uh, De Gea, how he, he didn't come out for the cross properly one week. And then the next week he does something that I've never seen before. I don't know if you guys saw against Everton, they, they crossed it near post and he couldn't get there with his hand. So he kicked it out with his feet. I don't know if you yeah. guys saw that. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's so many techniques across the world and as a coach or as a goalkeeper, you're doing a disservice to yourself by not exploring those and trying to see, like, like Trev said, what style of goalkeeping fits you the most. And I think uh, once, you know, goalkeepers can kind of go out there and notice, hey, this is probably, you know, because of my height, I could probably catch the ball a certain way. Or because of uh, my lack of height, I probably have to, you know, get a little bit, uh, a little bit lower so I can scoop the ball up at a different, different approach. As long as people start doing that, 
I think that's where the evolution of the goalkeeper will, will really start taking place. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're, you're absolutely correct about that. And, uh, you know, last thing before, before we get off of this topic, um, kick that dead horse, kick don't, that dead horse. don't get kick into, it. into cult territory. And I tell parents this all the time is that it's not one way. If you try to do things one way, you take the improvisation out of the game, which we need as goalkeepers, because when we're in the game, sometimes it's just about improvising and, and figuring it out in the moment, problem solving, basically. It's about keeping the schmeichling ball out of the net sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so, so be flexible. Be flexible. Uh, you know who else are flexible? Our beautiful, beautiful friends at Roughneck Scars because they've been down with us sending them a bunch of different design ideas, uh, some of them from you guys out there. Uh, Shout-outs to you uh, finalists and, uh, and also from, from ourselves too. And uh, the really cool thing about Roughneck Scars is we're going to have the Inside the 18 scarf, which I'm really excited about. But they're official provider of U.S. soccer, NCAA, USL championship, a lot of big-time leagues. So they're really, really solid scarves. I love these scarves. And uh, we had a question of the day for uh, Roughneck Scarves, uh, and we wanted to know if you had to design a Roughneck Scarf to represent MLS goalkeepers, what would it be? So if you could reach out to contact at insidethe18media.com, let us know your ideas. We would love to read them and uh, send them to Roughneck Scarves as well too. Uh, but right now we want kind of want to tackle that. So uh, Trev, if you had to rep- make a, a scarf for an MLS goalkeeper, what would it be? Are we talking like, are we talking the collective since 1995 MLS GK Union for every player who's been in there and one Pent Ultimate logo that represents the entire time span? It all depends. It's completely up to you how you want to, how you want to take the question. But, uh, but that's, that's the question, how to represent MLS goalkeepers. What would it be? So I'm normally Johnny on the spot, but that for me, I, I can't just be my usual witty, excellent contradictory self and say something ridiculous that actually makes sense because I think that one takes more in depth. I think that's a real question. That's a, you know, I take pride in my crafts of goalkeeping okay. for, for me. I'd, I'd like to kind of think and, and put something out there. Cause that's, that's okay. a, that's a statement. That's a real yeah. statement you're making there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you for Omar? Uh, I mean, idea? I, for a scarf. I mean, I think you just got to put all the legends out there. I think that's you gotta, what I was going to go. Damn yeah. You, you're going to go Hartman. <laughs> You're going to go Tony Miola. You're going to do like almost every five Onstad, years. Armando. Oh, good old Patty Onstad. There's so many. Finest God, Canadian. Always one of the non-best haircuts. Sorry for saying that, Patty. Love you. <laughs> um, I, think that's, I think that's what we got to do. I don't think. No, uh, you got to have, have Walter Zanga in a backwards hat on the back of the scarf <laughs> doing the Spider-Man. That's what you got to have. All right. <laughs> I, I, you know what? It's, it's one of those ones, but there's been so many legends. I remember the first time I got brought into the Galaxy was 90, oh God, no, 2000. It was still at the Rose Bowl, and I came in, and I kind of knew who everyone was, but I was sitting there, and I trained. It was the first time at Crazy Zach, the goalkeeper trainer, um, <laughs> but it was, it was Hartman and, and Matt Reese. Uh, and little did I know, those you know, those would be two of the most legendary keepers to, to play in MLS. Uh, and looking back on it, going, what a, what a cool experience. Um, First time I saw Nick Ramondo when we were playing against Real Salt Lake and just watching him warm up and like legit, I've never seen a guy move across the goal so quick or, you know, playing against Casey Keller and like watching him get warm up too, like get to a ball. You never thought his, you know, 39 year old body was going to get to and he just did it with the greatest of ease. I just got one right there. I've got one. It's, it's the, the front of the scarf is Trevor Hartman and Reese all training together. <laughs> and on the backside is Trevor in street clothes, signing an Aviata contract. That's, uh, that's the scarf right mike mike i think i think this is going to be a good transition for us We're yeah. talking about casey keller the fact that he is arguably one of the best u.s goalkeepers ever but and just, he's a uh, great guy just a really nice guy he seems like a like the biggest nerd <laughs> i saw him on tv with his glasses oh, it's great. Like, he it's looks great, like the man. nicest dude yep well, this is the, this is, I mean, I don't want to do Mike's job here, but on this one, it's like, you have the, our next, our, our next topic is like about goalkeeping, about how, you know, technique can really take your career from, you know, you being a standout athletic guy in your mid twenties to early thirties. But as you get to the next level, like a Casey Keller, where you kind of athleticism just drops off. You have to be somebody who has such a high IQ that keeps you around and you're able to make similar saves to what you were doing when you had the athleticism. And if you want to be as brilliant as Casey Keller, go to www. That's the worst segue ever. 
www.roughneckscarves.com because Casey Keller wears a lot of scarves when he's doing all those, <laughs> those cold weather Seattle uh, games. You know, he's got to be wearing those scarves out we'll, there. We'll send him a scarf when we get a new one. Yeah. And oh, I, I would love to, I would love to get Casey on the podcast. That would be, that would be phenomenal. Um, use promo code inside the 18. Uh, and by the way, if we read your question or not your question, your, uh, your scarf idea on the air, we will send you a new scarf as soon as it's available. It's probably going to be before camp shutout. So we're probably looking in, in another six weeks or so, Man, it's getting close to camp shutout time. It's it amazing. is. Yeah. It's crazy. All right, guys, let's get into the week in goalkeeping. Hey, Mike, uh, are we going to get into the week of goalkeeping? We're going to get into the week of goalkeeping. Let's get Omar, into the week, the week of goalkeeping. goalkeeping. We're going to get into the week in goalkeeping. All right, let's get into the week in goalkeeping. <laughs> I know Omar has been chomping at the bit or champing at the bit, I believe is the way you're supposed to say it, uh, to talk about David De Gea. And uh, he's got a lot of thoughts on this. And yes, guys, we're talking Europe finally. I know some of you uh, have been like, well, wait, MLS, NWSL, what's all this all about? And by all those people, I mean Omar. Omar. <laughs> no, Omar. I'm totally kidding. Uh, we love all the leagues. But, uh, but we do want to talk about David De Gea. Man U, Man City yesterday. Two near post situations. Let's get into it. First one, I mean, can you rely on your defender to cover your angle or are you better to cover yourself? Yeah, I think, I, I think Luke Shaw did a, did a poor job there. Uh, just because he got, he, cut. he got cut. That's what happened. He, he yeah. got his ankles taken. Yep, he showed him the inside, and and uh, I forgot who scored, but they uh, they took it. They took it, you know, full opportunity. But uh, it was uh, I think it was Bernardo Silva. It was Bernardo Silva. Yeah, I mean the guy's left footed too. Like what what are you doing? You know what I mean? You're showing him his strong foot inside, and from there too, it's like De Gea's got to respect the far post, but at the same time too that near post. And it was a slow roller too, which was, which made it even worse. It wasn't even like a, a blasted shot. It just kind of trickled in. So that was unfortunate. But uh, if you got, uh, you guys can talk about the game game, but I want to talk about De Gea like overall. Okay, I'll, I'll wait. I'll, I'll wait patiently for that. All right, okay, Trev, do you want to talk about the game game, or do you want to talk about De Gea overall? I don't want to talk about the game. Let's talk about De Gea. So look, here's the deal. <laughs> Everyone goes through a bad. I want to talk about the Raheem Sterling shot. That was a bullet, by the way. And so I, I, but he did go with tried to go with the kick save there, and oh, there was Sane. Oh, that's right. That's right. That, that's all. That, that's all that matters to this. This to me is that Sane is hitting it. 15 yards out on a bit of an angle and God, maybe even 60 on that angle. And he goes with the open right foot. I think it hits his knee or upper shin and goes in. And we're talking once again, he's one of the, the ultimate foot saves keeper. He's that Spanish keeper. He's been trained that way. But that's a men's league. That's a men's league play right there. I think if he stands still and just moves his hands, it hits it. He tried to, I don't know if he was trying to read. I don't know if he expected Sonic to, you know, we've all been in a situation where you expect someone to blast it and hit a better shot, and they miss hit it, and you go, oh, Schmeichel, and it, like, trickles in the far corner. I don't know, maybe he thought that was going to happen, but he led with his feet, and he led on a foot save, and he got caught. And I think what you're finding right now is, and every keeper's been there, from the great Iker Casillas to Buffon to you name it, and we've all been there, okay, especially Michael on over 35's co-ed Sunday nights at uh, Marina, <laughs> is that you go through waves where you're, you're down where you're not at the pinnacle of your game. And I think when you're in the showcase, as David De Gea is, you're going to get way more flack than other people. Um, but I think he's just in that rut where I hate to say it, and this is going to kill me inside, he needs to get tossed on the bench for two or three games, let himself get a mental break, let himself get a break from the game, give his head a shake a bit, and then come back and take the job back. I, I think at some point, and this happens every top keeper, you have a bit of a, a lapse. And sometimes it's two or three games. Sometimes it's two or three months. And sometimes, to be honest, some keepers don't ever recover. And they and become journeymen who sit as number twos, formerly known as a number one somewhere. And, and maybe one day they do recover. But he, he needs to step aside for a minute. He needs to get put on the bench. Um, uh, hold on. Hold on. Let, let's just talk about, though, De Gea <clears throat> made some great saves that game, too. Um, but, that's, so, but here's the problem, though. Do you put a guy in who, yeah, he's making unreal saves, but he's letting, let's not call them a howler, he's letting a savable shot and a savable position on the pitch in that someone of his caliber level and let's not even bring the paycheck into it should save i still think he's worth a ton of money i still think he's one of the top five keepers in the game i still think he should get maybe not as big of a paycheck as he's looking to get because that's just a ridiculous sum of money but but a very nice paycheck but i think he just needs a little break to step back if anything for his own mental health if anything to give himself a break i think he's just in that place where he's in a bit of a lull Right, because you need a keeper to play ninety minutes. You need them to make saves all the time. You don't need a guy who's going to make four top corner saves and then let a goal like that in, in that situation. It's just, I think he needs a break. 
think you need to chill. And maybe I'm wrong. Um, but that's my thoughts. Well, Man U still try, is trying to get into that top four spots. So I, I don't see that happening. And I could care less about Man U because it's all about Tottenham. Come on, you Spurs. I can't believe you guys are in the semifinal. You guys have a legitimate chance to so go. We, to- we have a legitimate chance. But here's the thing. We need Liverpool to beat Barca because our style of play isn't going to beat Barca. It's just, we, it's just it's not going to work. Liverpool, we can grind it out. Ajax, so there's, there's a problem too. It's like when Leicester City won the Cup years ago. I wanted Tottenham to come second and not win it, even though they crapped the bet even more, because I wanted to see Leicester City win it. It, it, it. Let's let's put the spirit of the game above my personal love of, of the Spurs. I would love to see Ajax go through and win this. It would prove so much to so many people of what they've been trying to do again, of the, the glory days that was Ajax back in the days, of, of the, what they produced in their academy, and that you don't need to go sign all these huge names like Paul Pogba, who I still think is just as average as can be for the paycheck he's getting. And you never know which Paul Pogba is going to show up. My people might give me slack for that, but they can suck it. Um, <laughs> I, I think it'd be great to see Ajax go through. So if the Spurs don't win, I'd like to see Ajax go through. But, you know, if there was ever a chance for Spurs to find themselves in the final and somehow raise this, it's with this draw. Well, I know, I know Omar wants to talk about De Gea's paycheck. And uh, I just want to say that <laughs> Onana's paycheck is going to go through the roof after this Ajax season for him. It is, yeah. Oh. He's, 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 deserved. Deserved. he's deserved. He's due, yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, when we talk about De Gea, for me, it's like, you know, everyone knows me. I'm like the biggest De Gea fan. De Gea, Navas, like all the guys who, uh, who I've always talked about on my channel. But finally, it's come to the point now where the last few games and even in, you know, the World Cup, I mean, again, the World Cup statistics didn't work out in his favor, unfortunately. And I, I, I kind of scrutinize a lot of uh, statisticians and people who use those stats to, to back up their hate for De Gea against him but now it's like you know I've held my tongue I bit my tongue a few a few weeks in a row now where I'm like ah, you know I want to see it if it's a trend if it's a trend then there's something deeper than just him going through something psychological um, it, it's got to be you know it's, it's, I need to see more and now I have enough proof now that shows me that he has a lot of technical flaws and I think the the flaws are rooted in his um, success with his kick saves and his uh, acrobatic and emergency type saves and when a goalkeeper kind of relies on that and they're stuck with that when, you know, crap hits the fan and he doesn't have that foundation, you know, he doesn't have something to hold on to. Um, and we've been able to see that recently because of the goals he's conceded. And um, again, for me, it's, it's, it kind of goes back to why Buffon is so successful and why he's been so successful for so long, because he has such a, a deep understanding and a high IQ and a technical foundation that as his athleticism started to go, he was able to become smart enough and understand his position needed to improve, understand that his technique needed to be doubled down. And that's why he's still playing at his age. And you have someone like we talked about, I think Trevor mentioned it back in the day where uh, Neuer, his ankle injuries are not allowing him to, to play the way he used to be. He's not as quick off his line anymore to play that sweeper keeper. And he's not as athletic to make those big time saves that he used to be able to make. And as his athleticism has started to, uh, to dwindle and diminish, his play has also followed suit. So my fear is that hopefully De Gea doesn't fall into that category. Um, but at the same time, too, like we tell our young goalkeepers, you can have the athletic ability. You can make that amazing save. You can kind of uh, defer to your shot-stopping ability. But at a certain point, that's going to catch up to you. And, and that's what I'm afraid of here is that it's slowly catching up to De Gea. But in the, in the, my second part of that answer is, is with everything in life, you have decision fatigue, right? You know, there's only so many tasks you can do per day. And because after a while, you know, you're going to do the, the first three or four big things about the fourth or fifth, you're going to be so exhausted that your mentality won't be there. And I think that's what happened with De Gea is it's, this has been a culmination of so many years of being Man United's best player and being the guy that is forced to, to make all these amazing saves to keep them even in the title race or to, you know, to keep them uh, in contention for or even relevant uh, to, uh, in, in, in that regard. So I think after a while, psychologically you're just like you know what I'm just so tired you know what I mean like I'm just so I'm so over this and I think that's where the season is it's a lost season they don't really have much to play for so I think that's also playing a factor in it but like Trev said because you're at a club like United and because you're such a big name you can't have a bad game unfortunately you can't have uh, uh what's it called you can't have lapse of, of judgment or lapse of technique because you're asking for such a big paycheck and when you're asking for such a big paycheck <laughs> you got to play like that you know what I mean you got you got to be able to to bring bring uh, your A game every single week. And unfortunately, you don't, you don't get room to make those mistakes. 
you don't. And if you're asking for that much money, Trev, 400K a week or whatever, oh. whatever the sum is, you're asking for that much money. You, you better be, be flawless. You better be in the height of your game. And he's not right now. He's not. And that's, that's where I, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment as well. And I don't want to be somebody who uh, harps on somebody's uh, misfortune or anything like that. But I think it's been over the course of a few months now. And, and you could even look back at the World Cup where he made those, you know, that mistake. I think against that's Portland. where it all stems from. I, I legitimately think it all stems from that. I think so too. And where does he go from here? Like you said, maybe get, sit him, sit him. You know, the thing is though, like the world is crazy, right? You had last week or a few weeks ago where he was the man and he was, you know, making all these incredible saves to, to keep him in against West Ham. And he was like, you got to pay this guy. I, I even said it. I even tweeted about it saying he's, you got to, you got to pay this man. He's, he's, he's keeping United in, 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 you know, the top four race. And he's been able to keep them in some big competitions over the last like almost 10 years now. But <laughs> but, you know, at a certain point, you know what I mean? You kind of have to leave your bias to the side and really take it for what it's worth and really, you know, see what it is and what is causing all these mistakes. And it, to me, it's those technical flaws. And unless he fixes it, uh, they're going to, you know, they're going to get uh, Romero in goal. And if not Romero, shoot, they pick up uh, Onana. Who knows? Uh, you know who they need to bring up, who I would love to have as part of my group is... Um... I can't believe you're all, you guys are already talking about Henderson. <laughs> Replacements for yes, Dobbs. Or, or, or Johnson. It's amazing no, it's, how it's quickly not, things can change. I'm, I'm not saying replacement. Look, I still think he's unbelievable. But I'm with Omar. Here's my thing. If, and this is where the world works for these days. If he wasn't asking for as much money as he's asking for right now, I would be less to harp on him. And I'm not harping on him at all. I am given my non-bias of how I feel. If he was making the same amount, I'm saying, yeah, he let a couple bad goals. And yeah, he's playing well. But when you're going out there and publicly saying, I'm worth this amount of money, in the game today and how the game is, you better be showing every single Schmeichling game why you're worth that much money. And, and he's not. I, if you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk. And as much as he's making some games where he's unreal, for me as a goalkeeper, it's about consistency. You know, as I tell kids coming up, you want to play the college level, I need you at 90%. I can't have you the, you know, keeper who is, you know, making the unbelievable saves top corner, but you let two donkeys in a game or one donkey in a game because that could be enough. I need the keeper who's going to show up at college and 90% show up every day and be that 90% keeper consistency yep. at a pro level. I need you at 95, right? It's like, we all, we all have bad games as, as a college keeper. I need you to string 12 good games together. Then you can have your mild shocker and hope that your back line is, you know, playing a good game and you get through it. Okay. No one really picks up on it at a pro level. I need you putting 15 games together and then you can have your kind of bit of a clanger, right? But that's, yeah. what's going to get you paychecks. That's what's going to get you a scholarship that's what's going to get you seen. And you talk to other goalkeeper coaches is the first question I always get asked when I'm talking to kids about sending to college the goalkeeper coaches, okay, Trev, how consistent are they? And I go, well, you know, I wouldn't be sending them to you if not, or I'll be honest, like this person's not the most consistent. I think it's there. I think they're a late developer. I think it's going to take a year or two. So maybe redshirt them and then go and, and hopefully you can mold them into it because they're just a late bloomer, but it's consistency. So if you're asking for 400 and some odd thousand dollars a week or whatever it is, uh, you better be showing up. And, and I don't know if maybe his head's a little off. I think only he knows an inside change room. And by the bench, I mean, not like, hey, you're being craps in the bench. It's almost like, look, something's going on. With Joe Hart, remember with Joe Hart? Uh, yeah. I, I, as Pep or somebody came in and said, we're going to give him a few, a few games off. We're going to give him some time off because he needs his, his mind needs some rest. His mind needs to, to hit the reset button. And, once and he, that's exactly. Yeah. That's but my he never point. got his job back. <laughs> so. but, that's, but that's part of the risk, though. It is, yeah, it is. But, but it's also you've let yourself open. You, you haven't nailed down that starting spot. I mean, he has, but he's left some gaps. And the problem, too, is I think if you had a better keeper than Romero as his backup, it would be an easier decision. I think Romero isn't the finest backup possibly going. I think Romero is a good championship-level keeper. I don't see him as a prem coming in. You know, I, if, if Paulo Gazzanigi was behind him, I'd say, I'd say give him the job right now. See how he does. Boy, he's good. Boy, he's good, man. Casanigas is so good. Well, well let's, let's talk about consistency because uh, we were just talking about, you know, being able to, to come up in big moments and, but be consistent. And someone who had to do that this weekend, and honestly, she's been on fire, and she's a friend of the show, so we're a little biased here. But, you know, Kay, Kay, Kaylin Sheridan uh, at Sky Blue just absolutely killed it this weekend. I think she had 10 saves in that, that match against the Houston Dash. And honestly, if it weren't for that, I think it was a, a ball that, that was deflected off. I mean, they, they, they would have drawn that game. I mean, she was just absolutely incredible. 
Uh, I don't know how many of you guys got to see the, the top hand save that she made. I watched it because um, Omar got scrutinized for people being like, why did she punch the ball like that? <laughs> like, no, she made a decision. I, it's fine. I gave her a shout two weeks ago. And I was like, hey, you're in top form. I love the fact you're going to be our number one as a Canadian uh, for the World Cup. And she was like, yeah, well, great. Thanks for doing well with all that stuff. And I was just like, you know, really looking forward to, to the season for you guys. And watching her, we've all made those punch. And maybe the ball was moving. Maybe there was a little variable we didn't see. Regardless, I don't care. She cleared the lines. That was her decision. It was done. The recovery save with the top hand tip of that big explosive dive. Yo. Yeah. Just bang on fantastic. So, I mean, that was world class right there. World yeah. class. Just and that's that's uh that's one thing uh I think we we want I wanted to bring up too is just the fact that when you have like I said it earlier with De Gea like it's that fatigue that mentality that you have so many shots coming at you that you know what I mean just literally one lapse of judgment you can you can stay focused uh for you know nine out of ten shots and that's that's the beauty of our position it's like the 90th minute you still have to be as locked in and as focused as you were in the first minute and I think unfortunately they ended up losing one to zero. But, uh, you know, almost 10 shots, she made nine saves. And to me, it's like, you know what I mean? After a while, it's like, what, what, what is your defender? What are your defenders doing for you? Well, how are they helping you? So uh, I think your next question, Mike, was, uh, does it benefit a goalkeeper to be shelled? I'm looking, at, I'm looking ahead here. I guess uh, I can see that. No, but I think, no, I, think it, I think to a certain extent it does, just because it keeps you, it keeps you mentally engaged. But that stamina is something that you build up in preseason, in the offseason of, you get a lot of work and training. You get hundreds and hundreds of shots in training, and that's where you build up that uh, the mental stability that even if it's the 90th minute and you've had that many shots on you, you're still able to stay dialed in, and from there you're able to make saves. Unf- again, unfortunately, they lost, um, but this is why I'm like, I'm, I kind of give a little bit of praise to De Gea in that sense because he's been doing this for almost, what, seven years with United? Seven or eight years where he's getting shelled every single week, and after a while, man, it gets pretty draining and it gets pretty exhausting. So, um, Kaylin, in this specific instance, I mean, I, I kept watching the game. I'm like, oh, my God, whoa, whoa. Save after save after save. And some good, tech, good technical saves, too. Not just uh, not emergency saves. Like, she knew what she was doing in those situations. So, props to her and props to Canada. Hopefully, uh, uh, she gets some big minutes of the World Cup. Yeah, what we're basically saying, Kaylin, is that you, you know, you know what I love, Mike? You I'm, should I'm, get 400K a week instead of David De Gea. That's, that's how <laughs> I'm going to cut you off, Mike. Yeah. For, 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 for people here, go watch it again and watch her when she's when they do the close-up and she's on her, just off her goal line, waiting for that shot to come through. And she's moving set, moving set, shift set, shift set. She's watching, trying to find that ball through traffic, looking, tracking, tracking. Every time she shifts, it's in a set where she's dropped yep. in, loaded muscle, shift, set. So when that ball finally comes through, she's not caught off guard. She's not caught on a high set. She's not caught with her muscles loaded where she's got to drop back in. She's already dropped in. She's able to spring. That, to me, was the biggest point I saw. I read was just, my mind. That was how, crazy. yeah. How that, calm that her feet were. How, how, oh. how calm were her feet? And that's the so thing. Is, good. He didn't swing her arm. She wasn't jumping into a wide stance. Like her, her feet were so calm, barely coming off the ground. People were asking me, like, in one of my new videos, I, just, I say something called the prep set, which pretty much means that whenever you move to a set position, try and like kind of bounce just a little bit so your feet aren't rooted to the ground. And yep. she does. She did that so well, where even though she kind of like not even jump, but like her feet were slightly coming off the ground with that prep set. It was so close to the ground and they were so calm that she was able to put her foot back down and then react. So ready, ready to explode. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm so happy you said that. Cause I was going to bring it up right now. I've just recently watched the highlights and I'm like, yeah, she's looking through traffic and her feet, everything stays stable. And that's it's the biggest thing. with So good. Yeah. Let's talk about, let's talk about uh, looking through traffic because the DFB Coke will take place yesterday. The semifinals. Verda Bremen uh, was honestly, Bayern Munich, you know, had possession most of the game. And uh, it was a crazy game going back and forth. And unfortunately, Bremen lost, you know, at the end on a, on a PK that was, eh, well, we'll, we'll, we, can, we can discuss that. But Yuri Pavlenka played very well. And a lot of times people tell me, they say, oh, that goalkeeper didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. We're talking about looking through traffic. We're talking about moving our feet. We're talking about staying organized, staying in position to disallow opportunities to happen. That's what Yuri Pavlenka did in this game. And uh, I think a lot of times, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring up this game is because I want goalkeepers out there to watch sometimes and say, hey, you know what, just because you didn't see four saves, five saves in this match doesn't mean that this game isn't worth you watching. Uh, I mean, yeah, for, for me too, it's, I mean, I love games where it's 0-0. I, I mean, this is a very non-American comment, but it's where there's so many great opportunities with so many great saves, and it's been so incredibly fast paid. Like, for me, a football match doesn't need to be 7 nothing. Right, a zero-zero game can be the most exciting thing you've ever seen. Cause it's anticipation of the what if and what if and oh my gosh, what a great say. I mean, 
So, so for me, that's, that's a huge point. And, and I think too, especially when people watch highlights, you don't always see the saves that look simple to someone who's cutting highlights where they've done incredible footwork to get into the save, to get into the right position. They've gotten there early. They've set in, they've made what looks like a simple save, but you knew there was so much work behind that save to get to that save. So, so for me, I mean, you know, that's, that's a big part of the game that people, when you're not a goalkeeper, you, you don't see that people don't always get credit for. Yeah, no. And I think that's something that you need to watch as a young goalkeeper uh, growing up and developing your game is that don't, don't just watch when the shot is hit. Watch the moments prior. And I know, Omar, you're a big, big proponent of this when, when you're breaking down film is that you'll all, you always show the buildup to the play rather than just the specific play because goalkeepers need to see that. Um, yeah, and especially too, to, even, to even bring that even more uh, to the forefront is that, for example, when, when I'm at college and I'll watch, a, 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 let's say, a 4v4, 5v5 type thing, majority of the time I used to, at the beginning of my coaching stuff, I would just watch the play. But now I literally just watch the goalkeeper because I just want to know what their body is like moving from point A to point B. Are they leaning? Are they falling? And then from there, you can really access their mind and allow them to kind of see things a little bit more cerebrally and understand, hey, you know, when I move to this position, and it's, sorry to even bring that up again, is that uh, there are certain instances in either training or in games, even from when I played, where the shot that didn't even hit the frame was probably one of the most important shots for you to analyze, mainly because there were times where they would miss the frame completely. And I'm like, oh my God, I was in that set position, but I was leaning completely favoring to the left side. I should probably stay up a little bit more. You know what I mean? So like, it's just constantly analyzing and understanding how to move from point A to point B without uh, really leaving yourself vulnerable to either side. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're absolutely right about that. And, and speaking of buildups, let's talk about Jesse Gonzalez um, for FC Dallas, who's actually been having a very, very, very good season. Despite the yellow card accumulation, it seems like uh, he's, I think he's going to have one suspension now and our, our, our boy Jimmy Maurer is going to have to come in and step yeah. in. Uh, for the next Jimmy game. does great when he comes in. He does. He does. He kills it when he comes in. What's is that his role? Is that Jimmy's role for the rest of his day? Is he going to just be the, the best number two in the league? You know, I mean, I do every time is he comes that, in. Is that, a, is that a terrible place to be? Because, I mean, if Jesse gets himself back in the national spot, which I think he's showing after the injury he had at the beginning of the year, he's doing really well. So is Jimmy the guy that's known as, hey, if you have a guy who's on the, the, the national team, Jimmy's your great number two because he can come in for a stint of four or five games when, you know, as, we're, as, as you know, people going to Gold Cup this year who are in MLS are going to go, you, you need that great number two who can step in and be a number one for, for, a, month, for a month and a half. You know, maybe maybe that's his niche. Maybe that's who he is. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing absolutely wrong with that. I mean, we were watching no, Jimmy, not. you know, train, yeah. and obviously we, we watched his games. You know, this this year when he's gotten the gotten the nods, and and he's he's looking great. And I, I think he's you know he's a hard worker, and uh, you know he takes the craft very seriously. And you know, there's a lot of teams in MLS honestly where he could be the number one right now. But he's absolutely. I think he's in a very good position right there in, in regards to what you're just saying because Jesse is going to miss a lot of time because let, let's talk about that because just let's talk about the situation first off. I mean, that, that one ball off the cross uh, that, was, that was hit, it was re- redirected, and then he made that big-time touch across his body outside of the post. Um, those are the kind of things that get you into the Gold Cup conversation. And I was actually hearing an interview with Justin Bryant uh, the other day, and he was talking about how he feels that Jesse really should be the number three going into the Gold Cup. Yeah, I mean, even, even when you look at uh, the, the history did, did of Justin, U.S. Did Justin say that? I like Justin Bryant. He's yeah, dude. yeah, he did. No, even even when you look at like uh like the history of U.S. soccer, when you look at back in 2010 for the South Africa World Cup, you had Edson Buttle for the Galaxy who was on fire. You know what I mean? He was somebody who you know was scoring goals week in and week out, game game in game out for the Galaxy. And then uh, Bob Bradley was like, you know what? We need somebody who's in fine form, somebody who is uh, who's hot right now, just to give us that extra spark off the bench if we need it. And I think that's where. Jesse Gonzalez is right now he's kind of you know making more of a case for himself because he's hot he's been making a lot of big time saves in games and I think he's kind of he's limited his his mistake prone uh, uh, factor I don't think he makes as many mistakes as he used to it comes with maturity and more games but do you know why though Omar do you know what my thought is why because he's still young he's doing how, how do you put this he's trying to do less less yeah. less is more he's not trying to come off his line more he's not trying to force a save He's letting his defense, in my mind, for what I've seen him, do what they should be doing. His communication looks 10 times better, right? And he's allowing himself to sit and make the saves he needs to save, pull off some big saves. But keeping less is more makes him look more consistent because he's more consistent. He's not, I haven't seen him in a while come challenge for a ball when his defender's still challenging for a ball, those kind of weird one-on-ones. 
he, yep. he's, he's grown up a bit more and whoever's working with him right now is doing a great job or maybe it's just, you know, him growing up as a keeper. It's true. It's, it's true. True Keishan. Is that what it is? But yeah. they've done a great job because he is, he's keeping it simple, which is keeping it safer, which is allowing his natural ability, his big wingspan to make those big point saves, you know, like a, that's going to allow you to keep that draw or get those three points. And I think it's still, he's what, 23, 24. Yeah, I think he makes, I think he makes a great case for himself to, to be in the cycle for two years or two cycles from now. Right. When, you know, it's, is it him and Stefan? And to be honest, Zach Stefan, no slag on him. I think he's, it's a hard case for him going to Man City right now and being the U.S. number one because I don't think he's he's the outright number one for me for the U.S. right now. Yeah, I don't think he ever. I don't think he honestly ever was for me, but I I don't think he has nailed down that that position yet for me. I, yeah, I, and that's especially for him too. When you get into the, that 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 realm of praise and you get a big signing like that, there's the level of expectation completely changes. You're not just somebody who was seen with like a, you know, the big talent or somebody who has a lot of potential. It's more of like, Hey, you're going to be our number one. You got to be, you know, you got to be weekend and week out. You got to show us and prove to us that that's where you got to keep your level. And I, one, one last comment I want to make though. And this is just kind of like, just not just to kind of spark a conversation, but with like Jesse Gonzalez and you have like Nick Romando and those kind of guys, like they're definitely good go- club goalkeepers and goalkeepers that, you know, in the MLS will make a big splash and have long careers. But when it comes to the national team, do you feel that they're, this is going to sound really weird, but like their Hispanic background per se, or that kind of like that. Uh, oh, you're going a slippery slope here. Dude. It's a slippery slope, but I, just, I don't know in my head, at least, if you look at the history of our goalkeepers and the goalkeepers that have played for us in big tournaments, I mean, we've had Tim Howard, we had like the longstanding guys, but a lot of them are, you know, they just have like per se the American technique. You have those goalkeepers who have just like clean hands and, you know, goalkeepers who uh, aren't the, the best shot stoppers. But like Trevor said, you just kind of need somebody who's consistent and somebody who is reliable. And for me, in my head, maybe it's just in the, messed up there. But like with Jesse Gonzalez, Nick Romando, and the goalkeepers who are on the Hispanic side of things, I just feel like there's a negative connotation towards them that they're not goalkeepers who can be reliable in the national team setting. He's asking a legit question: that do you think that because of their background and bias, I, I honestly bias of what, what certain what certain with certain keepers from certain backgrounds, is there a bias towards certain keepers because of their culture or their ethnicity? that they play a certain way. Do I think that's a question that can be completely thrown out and go, that's erroneous? No, I don't think so. I think people do have certain, you know, bias and thoughts and, and connotations of how people are because of their ethnicity. Do I think it goes deeper down enough for someone to not get a spot? I don't know. I mean, I'd love to throw that out and say that has no bearing whatsoever and that that shouldn't even be a thought. But we all know right now going, the question's been asked and you go, I don't know, maybe it'd be much better if we lived in a world where you don't go, uh, maybe, and then you go, Omar, come on, that's crazy. But maybe Omar's not crazy. I don't, I don't know. I, I just mean, think, I just think we've been in, we've been in the, around the game long enough. And even, even when I played, there was always like this idea that like the Hispanic style players didn't get as much love from the coaches just because it didn't align with certain uh, just technical aspects just didn't align with where the American game was supposed to be going or what, what they had a vision for. I agree um, in the youth game. I agree in the youth game. But I it, it, it channels up though, right? The game in regards to recruiting style wise, I think that has been changing, but I think very much so in the past, you know, I think a lot of that is, uh, is cultural bias. And I think a lot of it is too, is, uh, is programming. And I think it's just because of, 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 basically everything that they had been shown throughout their lives made them believe, you know, prejudices are built based on experiences and what people tell you and all, all of that sort of thing. I think it's changing, especially here in Southern California, you know, because there's a lot of kids out here of Latin descent who have been trained uh, and whether you want to call it a European style or whatever, but they have been because of the goalkeeper coaches that they've worked with. And there's a lot of white kids that have worked in a traditional Latino style, if that's what you want to call it, too, or South American style or whatever. Um, and then there's a lot of great goalkeeper coaches out there who just don't care where something is from, but they teach kids everything because they want to showcase their toolbox that they've got a bunch of different opportunities. You know, I think, honestly, this is a whole episode that we need to do. This is eight <laughs> episodes. This is, yeah, yeah, this is a this, lot of episodes. This, this is a lot of people who are going to be offended or not offended or look for re- – once again, let me just say it. Let's not have people look for racism or sexism in other cases or other things where it doesn't exist because that's not happening here. 
we're simply asking a, a, a general consensus question of, is this a real thing? And like I said, here's a crazy one, Omar, is talking to a few agents right now. Your best bang for your buck if you're a sponsor, though, is a U.S. men's national player with Latino background. That is your best bang for your dollar sponsoring a player right now. Yeah. Um, so Jesse Gonzalez, in my mind, is like the best available sponsor. You have a good-looking, tall goalkeeper who played on the youth, you know, Mexican national team, who is now transferred over to the U.S. men's He's national Omar team. He's Omar at 12 years old is what he is. <laughs> yeah, but, but, that, but they, I've, I've been told by, by agents now that's, that's the best bang for the dollar because you're getting the Latino following with an American-based player, let alone a player who used to play for Mexico youth. Like Jesse Gonzalez is like the, the ultimate, you know, sponsor right now because he hits all these different demographics from a corporate point of view. It's, it's crazy. I mean, if you look through all the keepers, though, I mean, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, it's, it's a very interesting concept. And is there that mindset of this is what the American goalkeeper should look like when they're out on the field? You know, is it the David Bingham who, you know, is kind of referred to as, the all-American kid, right? He's got that kind of all-American haircut, tall, good-looking, you know, white kid. Is, is, is that something that people have ingrained in their head? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a really – I mean, for me, whoever is the best bloody goalkeeper puts them in. Yeah. You know, but, but you're right, though. Certain people have certain mindsets. And here's the thing, too, is the world's changed, right? So – are you looking at someone who's, who's an older person who might have a more mindset of that nature? Because that's how it was. Let's call it quote unquote back in the day. I mean, I don't know. It's, I think we're going to get flack for bringing it up. I blame Omar for, you know, opening Pandora's <laughs> box, but well, uh, well, that's the beauty no, of editing. He can edit anything to sound. I don't think you edit this out. I, I think it's a real question. Yeah. yeah. Well, you have people, I mean, that's the reason why I even bring it up is, I mean, you have obviously the American stuff, but I always have people who are like Kaylor Navas defenders, for example, or, you know, oh, or, or, or Ochoa defenders. And it's like, if, if they weren't Mexican, if he wasn't Costa Rican, they would be considered as, you know, top, top goalkeepers, but because of their, uh, because of where they're from, because of uh, them not being from Europe or, you know, the, a top, top country soccer wise, they're kind of looked down upon and kind of looked as just kind of like a, uh, it's a luxury, not really. It's not really somebody that we can, you know, uh, build a team around. So well, that's the reason. Why. Look at look at look at Adirson and and Allison. I mean, they're from. Oh my gosh! Brazil, oh my gosh! But it's did, did, did you just say Adirson? <laughs> did you pronunciate people's? Last week we had the same thing. I forget who you were saying. Because I've it. I've heard that I've been mispronouncing it. Somebody said that it's not Ederson, it's Adirson. Probably in Brazil. In, the, in Brazil, in the port with the port, proper Portuguese accent, it's Adirson. <laughs> no, but I'm I think I'm trying to be appropriate. Fine. Look, yeah, but it's Brazil. But Trevor, it's any guys. It's it's Brazil, and the way the game is going now is somebody who has to be technically sound. So I I wouldn't really put them in the conversation just because also, also Brazil is such a respected country when it comes to like the world game. So I would I would kind of keep those out of it. But like a small country, uh, in a sense, like Costa Rica, or you have like a Mexico, like Ochoa, just because they're from those kind of countries that aren't major contributors in the world game per se. Uh, they're kind of looked down upon like that. So uh, it is, it is interesting. It is an Do interesting. Do you think Mexico's not a contributor? Mexico's face first off, I think is a huge contributor, really in my mindset that they're the highest paid league in all of the Americas as a professional side, right? The MX league or Mekis league as, as Mike likes to put it with the proper pronunciation uh, is the highest paid league in all of the Americas. I mean, I, I, I mean, I know what you're saying on that, but I think it's a, it's a tough call is I, th I think with a goalkeeper though, I, th I think it almost supersedes the position of, a team unity. I, I think, you know, we look at, oh, he's a Brazilian, so he must be a good footballer. He's playing with the national team. Or, oh, he's from these countries that bring great national players on the field. I think as a goalkeeper, you can be a Jan Oblak who plays for Slovenia, who's never going to be possibly in the World Cup until they have, you know, maybe next time with 36 teams, who knows. But I think you can be an international recognized goalkeeper. I mean, at least me and Mike have a huge heart for Jan <laughs> Oblak. Um, I think you can stand out as, a, as an international renowned goalkeeper not being from a recognized country look, look, let me even look at the at tim howard or casey keller i mean america wasn't known or brad field time as creating great international footballers but we were known as making great goalkeepers because of the hand-eye coordination sports they played earlier on and the background and the athleticism so i think you can stand out as a keeper in the world stage i think Ochoa's biggest issue is when he plays league he's not the same guy when he plays for mexico yeah no, when he true. plays for we discussed that like you know, certain players are unbelievable in tournaments and they go to, to leagues and they go, huh, right? It's that big, you're buying this goalkeeper who was a standout at the Euro Cup or Sud America or Gold Cup or World Cup. And then they go to the next big club and 
they have a struggle season because they're just a different keeper. I don't know. It's, it's a tough call. But, I mean, I think we're going to get a lot of interesting comments in the regards of Pandora's box that we opened, which I like because that's, that's what should be talked about. No, I mean, I think, I think it's absolutely important. And let's, let's, yeah. All right. Also, this is going to be a good uh, test for us to see if people actually listen to the entire episode because we got into this. this yeah, we got into this really, really late. All right, guys. Well, then uh, that's all the time. If you have hate mail, send it to contact at com. Uh, we're not going to give away our social media handles. Uh, we don't I don't think anyone stepped out of line. There. I know. There I'm, a, I'm lot of, a lot of questions being asked. I'm joking around. But maybe we should have like a, a Luis Robles or, or somebody like that on, on the podcast. I say best goalkeeper should get the job. But I just, I'm just looking at the history of it all. And I think – I'm just saying from my experiences, I think we've all been around, especially here in California, there's – it's just such a melting pot. There's so many different, you know, different. Uh, oh, do you, do you know how many times I heard the? Yeah, but he's Mexican. And you go, what? Well, he, he's short and he jumps around. And like my my my. Oh my god! And you hear from the old white coach. It's kind of like that Mexican jumping bean kid. You know, he's bouncing all over the place. And you, <laughs> like you're saying this out loud. There's other people around you witnessing this. It's prevalent beyond words. It's it's insane. But I want to say just before we leave here, I, I do want to say that. I think a lot of it also has to do with a lack of identification. I think because of those old school uh, prejudices and, and biases, a lot of these kids never got identified at the younger ages. So they never got the opportunity to shine. They never got the opportunity to develop and, and get into those positions where they could play at this level. And I think that's why now you're starting to see different types of players from all different different shapes and sizes and different ethnic backgrounds, you know, playing at the highest levels because they are getting those opportunities and people are identifying them regardless of what their uh, cultural uh, backgrounds are. You're such a cultural background. All right. I'm going to run. Love you both. Talk to you soon. All right. All right. All right. See, see you guys. guys. We're Bye. out.